Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your weekend was good. In 1 Peter 4, it says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. What a powerful word from God's uh, book that we are going to understand that we will suffer as Christians, but uh, he has got our backs. We will uh, serve him without apology. So we've got a great show. Patrick is going to be joining me in just a momento. And then it's going to be the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles will be joining me as long as well as Rosie. And then our two is going to be Professor Ken Samples. We're going to be talking about Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world. That's all ahead for today. I'm looking forward to it. And I now want to bring on my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, welcome. Welcome to you. Yeah. Well, I guess you're already there. I am there. You know, I haven't said much today. I haven't spoken much today. And it's such a weird experience to say very little and then come in and have to be on the radio (laughs) without a lot of warm-up. Let me tell you. But it is Monday, and it's February 1st. I, I think we should make this a special February Monday, I think we should call it Maryland Monday, which is a special, I love Maryland special call out okay. to our, our friend Marilyn in Florida. Who I but know. Now, I think the last time I heard Marilyn's name, she was in Wisconsin. Yeah, she summers there. She's a bit, she's summers. Yes, yeah. she summers <laughs> in Wisconsin and winters in Florida. Summers, well, now that's how you would do it, if, and that's how Marilyn does it. That's uh, a perfect world. I love it, Maryland Monday. Hey, by the way, uh, uh, you know, so First Peter four. Down a little bit further, you know, uh, should somebody be uh, up for reading a little bit more? Okay. I love this part. The end of all things is near. I don't particularly care for that, <laughs> <laughs> but I love the advice that is given. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So there's my mistake, the grumbling part. Uh, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's, Mm. it's, you know how when you you start to uh, dig into a Bible verse, what used to be just words, you say, hang on a second, I will... Uh, I'm going to have to think about that one sentence for quite some time. There is so much depth in a single sentence, and this book is thick. Yeah. It's got a lot. Well, let's talk about grumbling a little bit because it's a. It sounds like a command. It sounds like it's a something we need not do, but it's something that I do often. There, true I, confession. Yes. 
I think there's a, a reason why I'm not in charge of making laws. Mine would be rather haphazard, <laughs> uh, and and uh, many people would probably suffer because uh, they didn't turn quickly enough on the yellow arrow. <laughs> and I would create it because I it's, I say it's you know. We, we, we often talk about, oh, this is the worst, and people have been saying this since the beginning of time. Things have never been this bad. And I just saw an article that I think afternoon tea at the Savoy in London costs about $200. So if we're still able to do stuff like that, uh, things maybe aren't as bad as we seem. Do we just look for things to complain about? Is that the problem? Do, um, do we just have an, an inherent need no, to grow? No, I think no. it's there's a lack of gratitude. I think if there was more gratitude, there'd be less grumbling. There would How's be. How's that for grumbling. convicting? I liked it a lot. It almost sounds like you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I got. I, I got. You do. I got a text from my friend Craig the other day, and he said, um, "I start the day with gratitude. We have much to be thankful for each day. A roof mm -hmm. over our heads, food, and warmth. Pretty simple statement, but I thought, yeah, kind of summarized it well there." We have a lot to be grateful for. Well, and there will always be, you know, we're always seeming to pursue that, the MacGuffin. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock always called the, the, the thing you pursued in a movie the MacGuffin. He would say the movie's about the MacGuffin. It could be an item. It could be love. It could be, you know, a, a state secret. But we, we, we spend a lot of our time trying to find that one thing that we think, you know, like this will turn the corner for us. This will make us happy. And you're almost operating from a sense of, well, I'm not happy because I lack that item. I lack that thing, and that's all I need. And then you're, you know, you're, you're uh, uh, Steve Martin and the jerk saying, "And this is all I need: this remote, <laughs> mm -hmm. and this, and this chair." Like, I got I'm, I'm hoping you won't get too jealous on the air, but I, a new banjo arrived today. Well, um, you did tell me about that, so it's not a surprise. I but I can act like it's a surprise. No, you can act like it's a surprise. Okay, and. Uh, it did not make me happy because it did not come with talent. <laughs> it sounds just like the other badges I have. Not so good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I convinced myself that this style of banjo would be a new, fun way for me to explore uh, something. And it will bring me some happiness. And I promptly took it out of the box and I put it in the stand and said, I'll get to you shortly. <laughs> P.S. You should sound better. I should sound better. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, Genesis one twenty seven. Yeah, God, we're created in in His image, of course, and and people are able to perceive and express humor, right? Oh, so, house battery uh, very low. Oh, what happened there? Oh, that's okay. I'm back. I'm okay, sorry. good. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're people are are able to perceive and, and express humor. So, uh, you think of the dictionary of sense of humor, and it's. It's the ability to perceive, enjoy, or express what is comical or funny. Okay, so God yes. created us in his image. Therefore, God must also have this ability to perceive, enjoy, or express what is comical. And now, when it comes down to expressing that, God uh, is holy and perfect, so he's not going to perceive things as funny the way we might. So, right. And it's not ever appropriate to make a joke about sin, for review, uh, that's never funny. It's not funny to no, God, and it shouldn't be funny to us. Uh, I it was I was uh, running a couple errands today, and an old Billy Joel song came on, uh, "Only the Good Die Young," 
And uh, and, and this is how pop music sometimes it can it, it permeates your thinking without you even knowing. And so as I've gotten older, I like you probably do this as well. You say, what what are these lyrics saying? And I was disturbed by some of the lyrics in this pop song that I used to sing along to <laughs> for so mm-hmm. long. And I say, my, 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 that's not really a healthy way of looking at life or a healthy way of thinking. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, I, is, oh, as you catchy as the tune might be, it's, yeah. it's like you're saying, you know, using your sense of humor or comedy to uh, maybe mock God, I don't think he would approve. Nope. And nope. I, I, it was funny. I was listening to that song, and you had sent me that passage earlier, that 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 clip that you had just read. Mm-hmm. And then that that song comes on. I thought, oh my gosh, that's almost the same thing. This isn't about humor. This is music. Yeah. Now, Very while, while Ace barks in the background, let me just I'm say, <laughs> here's the here are the dots I'm trying to connect. So it seems that there is less and less humor and comedy in the world today. And it also they don't do that seems, comedy shows for sure. Well, they, they, yeah. they don't do that, but it also seems that people are taking themselves more seriously than I can ever remember. Yes, well, and I think a thing that has happened with with comedy, unfortunately, is you know the classic comedians, the people that used to actually write material, uh, were replaced as um, late night television turned more into snark, mm-hmm. and then a lot of people realized I can play this game. You know, instead of uh, sitting down to write material like a Jerry Seinfeld does and honing it and getting up on stage and maybe having it not work and then continually perfecting just a, a single joke and trying to get an hour's worth of material, that's hard work. But snark became instantly funny. We had a series of snarky comedians, the John Stewarts, mm-hmm. and a lot of people realized, oh, this I can do, you know, and, and it, it was – it's like the people that you used to meet that say, you know, there's a lot of people – that uh, don't get my sense of humor. And my response was, oh, they get it. They just think you're not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually very mean humor. But it, but but it's a low bar to entry, and everybody can come up with an insult. It, very often it's just, you know, you just repeat an insult. And you see conversations stop so quickly these days uh, where people can just say something. Oh, you're going to stick with that? Well, I thought you were an educated person, and they think they're being humorous. Like, well, you're being mean, actually. Uh, and d- d- I don't know how. When did we turn that corner? I think social media contributed to that corner. I think once we stopped talking face to face and we sat in bunkers and wrote things on our keyboards, it got a lot easier. Right. And you did get usually some instant response from a couple of people that might have given you a thumbs up and said, oh, that was funny. You really showed yeah. that. guy." You're right. It's like, well, yeah, uh, I don't know if you should be talking to your dad that way, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> What's an appropriate punishment for the person who writes radio commercials that have a car honking sound in them? I, I have to tell you, as you know, I ponder this question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that's the worst uh, that happened to me the other day I'm driving along and then a radio commercial comes on you you tune that out but you do hear the car horn honking yes and you think I'm about to get hit <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to hit somebody so yeah. that guy and then the guy he's probably the same person that put the telephone ringing uh, sound into the old commercials or the doorbell <laughs> mm-hmm my kids listen to YouTube videos that for some reason I go, could somebody get the door? And they'll say, that's my YouTube videos. Stop watching videos with the doorbell sound. In them. 
I'm just running up to answer the doorbell all the time, and nobody comes to visit. Right. So, right. Yeah. I don't have an appropriate punishment for that guy, but it should be severe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Maybe I'll take a break, and we'll come back. We'll have a suggestion or two. Patrick Albanese is my uh, guest today. Just to get Monday started, we always like to start a little on the light side. We've got uh, a lot of show coming up. We're going to come back and talk some sports as well with uh, Ryan, who runs the board. We'll be right back. I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. We are back with Patrick Albanese on Maryland Monday. We're having a good time. We're going to catch up with a little bit of sports activities. Uh, bring on to the program Ryan, who runs the board here at Faith Radio and is an awesome Technician, but he's also Patrick. I don't know if you know this, but he's the play-by-play and color commentator here at the University of Northwestern for sports like basketball and all kinds of cool stuff, football. And nobody knows sports quite like Ryan. So I figured with the Super Bowl coming up on uh, this Sunday, we should talk a little bit of uh, sports and bring him onto the program. Is that all right with you, Patrick? Sounds great. What if you would have said no, Ryan? Then what? <laughs> then I well, wouldn't be here. That's so true. <laughs> that's so that's true. Tr- yeah. Hey, I do have a question right off the bat, and again, I don't have the answer to this, but uh, since Ryan is a sports fanatic, he is. I guess would be the thing. There was a Pro Bowl yesterday, apparently. <laughs> Did anybody play? Did anybody watch? Did anybody win? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I don't think next to anyone tuned in. They just kind of did highlights of the whole season, and it was, it was all virtual. Yeah, yeah, it was yep. actually canceled. Yep. All right. I didn't even know that. How yeah, about that? it got canceled. So here's my first question for Ryan. We've got the big game coming up on Sunday, what's going to be your snack of choice? Wow, that's a great question. Um, Well, snacks should only come into play if you didn't have a great dinner. Normally for the Super Bowl, you get some good pizza, and that's really all you have. If you have to go to snacks, then the first question is, what would you have for dinner? All right. See? He's good, isn't he? That's good. He made that up, too, by the way. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> he made up that off the cuff, but it felt genuine, felt honest. All right. Let's ask actual sports questions now, Patrick. You go next. Okay. Well, um, so we've got the, the old timer against the, the new guy, and, uh, you know, the game can go either way. But uh, what do you think would be the most enjoyable part about watching? Uh, I'm guessing Brady will pull out some old tricks. Uh, or is he just going to be stunned by the new guy? I mean, it's it's going to be a great game, I think, either way. But what do you think will be the, the, the most fun takeaway of this quarterback matchup? So I'm going to go a little off the map here, and I'm kind of a broadcast geek, if you want to put it that way. I'm thrilled the game is on CBS. I don't know how much you guys listen to the announcers, but I'd be most excited to hear Tony Romo, the color commentator. He just Who's gets, one of the best. Exactly. He's so- He's so good. He's like a kid watching the game. He just gets giddy during the big moments, and I'm excited to hear him when, you know, Kansas City pulls these plays out of their hat and Andy Reid's making Patrick Mahomes look really good just to listen to him the whole game. Because the first Super Bowl they got was a few years ago, and I don't know if you guys remember the Rams-Patriots game. Mm -hmm. Just awful. Probably the worst Super Bowl in my lifetime. It was a terrible game. Okay. So I've I've purged that from memory, so... (laughs) (laughs) So there will be, I guess, limited seating at the game in Tampa, but there's also, like you talked about, the tea at the Savoy for $200. The One of the suites that you can get into and purchase, if you like, 
allows you 20 seats and it allows you a private suite at the game. And it's only $420,000. Per person or does that, that, no, that cover all 20? That covers everybody. <laughs> it's 20 grand a piece? Including its own private bathroom with a fully flushing toilet. Yep. Fully flushing. <laughs> you know, not, none of that half flushing for me. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, so there is still uh, some money to be spent out there. So, Ryan, what do you think about uh, some of the, the way they pump up noise and volume? Do you think that's helpful? Is that like a laugh track in, sure. in old comedy sitcoms? I think you can overdo it, but I think it also adds a little something. And, you know, let's be clear. The stadium could hold a lot more people. It's under 50%, but it's 22000 And it, it makes a huge difference, I think, even for the viewer watching. I mean... 22,000 is better than 10,000 or 15,000. I I enjoyed when fans are in the stands at least this season. So, I'm happy that the games in a place where they can do that this year. Mm-hmm. And that it can now, end that way. I was the first time the cardboard cutouts were uh put into place, I was fooled by those for a brief moment. I said, "Oh, they're letting people in." <laughs> so they're just not a very active crowd. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, Bill. I once had the experience of cardboard cutouts. I was doing a triple espresso production in uh, Indianapolis, and we had to block off certain areas of seats, and they just were so afraid people would sit in them, they put cardboard cutouts of you. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> in every seat. There was a couple hundred Bill Arnolds in every crowd that I had to look out and go, that's my boss. Oh, that's I think the... that's my boss. <laughs> I'm sorry to sure. hear that. Yeah. I'd rather perform for live people. You were, you were a tough crowd, just so you know. Oh, good, good. Yep. So, uh, Ryan, when you think of sports like hockey, because I watched a couple of hockey games over the weekend. I know you're a hockey fan as well. Yep. Um, what do you uh, think of the way the teams now will hunker down in a city for a couple of games versus instantly hitting the road? Whatever they have to do. I yeah. mean, I'm still not used to it. Like, yeah, let's play Colorado in the case of the Wild for four games. Four games Two back-to-back here in St. Paul, and then it'll be Tuesday, Thursday in Denver. But I'm just at the point where, hey, they're playing games. It could be better, yeah. but let's just be thankful for what we got. It, it almost has a playoff vibe, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Four games oh, in a row. Oh, absolutely. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, that's the aspect of it I like because you can always have that one game. Uh, you know, it's I, I always I, I I struggle with like the Super Bowl's one game winner take all. And I tend to like, you know, the way that hockey and baseball do it. And it's, you know, a, a best of, I like a best of seven. And then but then I prefer a best of seven when it boils down to the seventh game, which is a winner take all one. game. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess I I just I, I kind of uh, I, I like to watch teams. You know, you could have an off day. And there are many times you'd say, oh, let's let's have another go at it. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, you know, on the ice. And, you know, if you can take three games in a series like that, it seems like you're 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 definitely looking like the superior team. Or is that just me imagining things? That's a great point. I would totally agree. Yeah. So, Ryan, when you got interested in play by play and uh, color commentating, is that something that you envisioned yourself doing since you were a kid? Were you watching sports going calling plays and making comments? I, I wouldn't say exactly. I mean, I'm not like one of those people who are like, yeah, I listened to the radio and I did my own commentary. I, I was, you know, involved with it because I was a fan, first yeah. off. And yeah. then you learn more about, you know, the broadcasting industry and the story of the guys behind the mic, if you will. And then I think it just gives a better picture of everything that's going on, too. So, mm-hmm. Patrick, I'm mm-hmm. always uh, amazed at, at, especially when it comes to hockey, like um, Doc who is probably one of the greatest play-by-play guys. Absolutely. Um, and he 
apparently when he goes to the arena, he watches television. He watches it on TV because he wants to be able to call the game as the way the audience and the television uh, viewing audience is seeing it, which I find fascinating. You have the best seat in the house and you're still watching it on TV. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that is, and, and to me, when I watch like basketball and, and hockey, the, the play-by-play there, that's a nonstop stream. You know, baseball, they go, quick, give me the uh, the fact sheet. I got to point out something from his childhood. We got, <laughs> we got a few moments to kill here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and football, so it, it moves fast and then it slows down for a second. Uh, that's why Tony Romo is so great because the stuff that he fills in is so interesting. And he, like you say, he's like a, a, a kid. He, if he had been half as good a quarterback as his color commentator. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but hockey, I don't know how you can do it because – you're, you're you know, obviously you have to know the players by heart. You have to know, you know, you're at a quick glance, you're trying to catch a number, but how do you keep that stream going? Yeah, it's got to be a gift. I mean, that Absolutely. has to be something that you're a little bit gifted with because yeah. I've tried that before where you turn down the sound on a hockey game and just out of my own, let's see if I can do this. Yeah. It lasts about 15 that. seconds. And then I'm just like, yeah, I give I, up. I heard that 15 seconds. Like, look, look at him go. <laughs> <laughs> You guys got and the puck. Oh, we lost it. Oh, look at that. Oh, somebody oh. else has it. Oh, oh no, it's going. Oh, I got taken away. <laughs> look at that. I think it's in that net thing. <laughs> yeah, so that we have Bill's career. We have great respect for uh, people that do that. You know, you take it a little bit for granted because it does add a tremendous amount to the game uh, to have someone that you like calling the game. It really makes it fun, and and that's a gift. And Ryan, you got the gift. So keep on keeping on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Patrick, what are your uh, what are your plans? F- are, are you gonna watch the game on Sunday or are you going to skip it? What, what are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I, you know, I, I do like Tom Brady. Um, uh, and I like Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I think it's, it's a fun matchup and I enjoy football and you know, it's my attitude is always, so it's one more game. It's just, yeah. you know, one game. Although as you might recall, a couple of weeks ago, there were only three football games left in the season, the two uh, championship games, mm-hmm. AFC, NFC, yep. and then the Super Bowl itself. And my son comes in at the beginning of the AFC championship game and says he'd like to watch a movie with me. So I <laughs> turned off the football game, with mm-hmm. one of only three remaining, and watched a movie with my son. Now, I got father of the of the week, I believe, for that. Should he pull the same stunt this coming Sunday? I cannot guarantee the result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tom Brady, I think one of his secrets, according to an article I read in the paper this weekend, is sleep. He claims that because of his awesome sleep, he's able to perform at the level he performs. And since I don't sleep so well, that might explain why I have yet to accomplish anything near what Tom Brady has. Wow. It, it's super interesting, though, because it, it is that critical time in your body's uh, rhythm where you your brain kind of files and, and uh, stores the information that you need to perform at a high level. So maybe getting up yeah. super, super early like we do is not always the best thing. No, uh, I think it's a pretty uh, remarkable that what is he? Forty-three years old. Forty-three, and only yeah, only now he's giving out his secrets. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I trusted him up to this point. Now I don't. All right, Patrick, thanks so much. Have a great uh, rest of the week, and change the batteries in your mouse because that was making the noise during the show. It was making the noise. All right, have a good day, Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a break. We come back. Guess what? Monday afternoon mix with Miles Rosie Arnold. That's going to be what's ahead. Hour two is going to be Professor Ken Samples. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 12. That's all ahead.
Welcome back. It is time now for the Monday afternoon mix with David, Rosie, and Bill. That's the team. Hello, team. Hello. Hi, Bill. Look at that. It's all working here. All right. I think we're going to talk today about the greatest need. What is the greatest need today? Very provocative for February 1. Jesus. Absolutely. That is the greatest need. Show's done. Show's done. Mic drop. Mic drop. More bumper music, please. But in that, you know, one of the things on Greatest Need, there's a lot of just competing voices and things that are thrown at us every day. Um, I think it is um, uh, Steve Gallagher in the book, Intoxicated with Babylon, had noted that the average American sees about 3,000 marketing images Mm. a day. Wow. Mm, That's a lot. That's That's bombardment. Doesn't that seem like... Bombardment. Yeah. yeah, it does. Assault. I mean, and so in that, there's all these messages saying, you need this, you need this, you need that, you need this. And so in a sense, it starts, you know, saying like your identity is if you have these things that we say you need. So I guess as we get into it, guys, how do you see yourself? Like if you were to you know, describe who you are and where you find your, you know, your worth. How, 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 how do you see yourself? Rosie, I'll defer. <laughs> Hi, um, Puck. All right, passed. there you go. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to have to be extremely transparent with my answer because if you were to have asked me that at 20, I would have said I see myself in light of how the world sees me and as I think my how I see myself changed in the year 2000 when I when God found me. And mm-hmm. then the transformation was slow initially, but then it, you know, completely started to accelerate. And now, very honestly, when people ask me, and people have asked me this before, who are you? I'm a, I'm a child of the high king, you know, and that usually starts a different conversation because it can sound arrogant and what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really how I view myself now as a daughter of the high king. So, but 22, I wouldn't have said that. 32, I wouldn't have said that. So, yeah. Good answer. David? Bill? I'm the host. You're the host? <laughs> yeah. You're the hostess with the most. Yeah, you're I, the host with the most. I get to delegate. Who talks you next? Get to, That'd be to you. To delegate? Yeah. Okay. Well, and that is Ryan's true. next. Well, you know, some, some of the things that we'll, we'll start off as like, you know, um, who we are. We'll talk about things like family, um, location. You know, we've talked about this before where people are like, so what do you do? And so we begin to kind of um, pocket it in these various areas of family, occupation, recreation, sports. Some are like, I'm a runner. And, mm-hmm. you know, some are, some are sadly like me, a Vikings fan. <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> is a possibility. Next year, just maybe, yeah. just next year. We've been saying next year. I know. I know. So, yeah. So, I'm, I mean, that'd be interesting, like, to even hear from you know, to our, our brothers and sisters and people driving, like, how do they see themselves? What are, what are some other ways that our society says, you know, view yourself as what? What are categories? I think ethnicity. Did mm-hmm. I say that word right? People see themselves as where they've come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. 
their education. Their education. Mm-hmm. Their neighborhood. Denomination. Their denomination. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their families. State residency. Yeah. Ooh, part of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, are we, we going to get a sucker after this? Like, this was you, really. You might. Okay. Or Skittles. I something. All right. Skittles. Like, some people could break it up and show say the Skittles. Skittles per- I don't. I actually don't have any. <laughs> Ryan, don't do you up, have Skittles? Don't bring up Skittles if you don't have them. Oh man. <laughs> you know, just a rainbow of flavors. You know. I get that. That's the part. <laughs> You shouldn't have brought it up. Well, you know, like we I'm lived in we, we lived in Ohio for a little bit, and uh, I mean, like seriously, the whole like Buckeye, oh yeah, Ohio yeah. State Buckeye, and you know Michigan Wolverine thing, mm-hmm. you know, massive. And uh, but those things, like sometimes in identifying with certain things, you know, we can get lost and we can kind of forget who we are. You know, there's this this old cartoon. Um, you know, it was called Lion King. And uh, some might remember the scene in it where, you know, Simba's off with his friends and they're doing all sorts of stuff. And Rafiki, the, you know, the monkey comes and says, hey, you're Mustafa's boy. And then he goes looking for him and basically, you know, gets to see his dad. And his dad says, you forgot who you are. You forgot that, you know, you're my son. And there's something really powerful um, about understanding, you know, who we are. Because when we don't, it leads to so many different um, craziness. And, uh, you know, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3. You know, so you have Jesus who shows up uh, for his baptism. And this is like, uh, this is a a piece of scripture that I absolutely love. And it's one that uh, I do with my students Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's so foundational. And if we grasp this... um, it can be revolutionary and life-changing. So Matthew 3, uh, verse 16 says in the NIV, Now, as soon as Jesus from Nazareth was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And guys, there there are three just major questions uh, that are answered in the Father's words to the Son. Now, one other just theological note, you know, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but right in this passage, we see God the Father, who's speaking, God the Son who's being baptized and God the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. So so you see the Trinity at work in this passage. But the first thing that we see that God the Father says is, you are my son. And this settles the question of identity. I mean, like people today, you know, really are just struggling with understanding like who they are. Mm-hmm. And like in this moment, the father looks down and he's like, hey, hey, wait a minute, stop, everybody. This one, this one right here, uh, this is my son. Now, what's powerful about it is the title son, uh, it's not earned. You know, you guys were asking before we got on there what we did, you know, kind of what we did this week. And and I got to see my oldest son, DJ, um, wrestle. Still amazed we're having wrestling, uh, but we are. And... uh, 
one of the things is that he won his 182 match going through double overtime Mm -hmm. to get there. But that's not why I love him. I love him because he's my son. And I, I regularly say that to him, you know, DJ and to my other kids, I love you. Daddy's proud of you. Daddy, thanks God that you're my son. And for Taylor, that you're my daughter. And that it's not what you do. It's who you are. And in this one very first phrase, you are my son, it settles the question. God the Father speaks to Jesus's identity. Now, Scripture also says that um, Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So how powerful is that? do you guys think, and people understanding who they are, having someone speak that to them? Oh, I think it's fundamental. And I don't even think people know that they need that. You know, they have that whole feeling like, who am I? And they're looking and searching. But I don't know that they can articulate that that's what's missing, is their identity without all the rest, just simply who they are. Yeah. And Bill, what do you you think happens when we, we... what, what are ways in missing this that we've kind of imploded, exploded, just kind of been scattered? Where do you see that in our world today? Mm, I don't know if I understand the question. Like in not understanding our identity, oh, 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 what, okay. what's the ramifications of that? Um, a wandering and a uh, prone to um, brokenness in relationships and... Uh, self-destruction and I see there's mostly a Mm -hmm. self-destruction. I mean, if you're not abiding in Christ, if you don't know him, he doesn't, if he hasn't given you identity, you're off on your own. Good luck with that. Right. Yeah. And you open up all sorts of doors that you have no intention of opening up. Mm-hmm. that go down paths that you have no intention of walking down when you open those doors, but nevertheless, it takes you there. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, in our, in our, our desperation to fill that void, you know, um, we're no different than our parents in the garden who basically say, you know what, God, um, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in willful rebellion, we'll head down in sin. And, I, you know, some like to just kind of toy around and say, oh, you know, what I'm doing is it's not that big of a deal and, you know, no one's getting hurt. And I like to say, and, and I'm not sure for, for who this is and driving or sitting, but a reminder is that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to be kept. And it will cost you so much more than you ever think you'd have to pay. Mm-hmm. And so often... Say that, say that one more time, David. Sin will... Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Mm-hmm. It will keep you longer than you want to be kept. Yep. And it will cost you more, so much more than you ever imagined that you'd have to pay. Yep. And, you know, um, oftentimes we're like, ah, you know, it's, it's, nah, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, scripture says in Galatians 6, 5, it's like God is not mocked. You know, whatever a man sows you know, that we reap. And if you, if we, if we sow wheat in the ground, we're not getting avocados. And, you know, and God in love allows us to be these, you know, free autonomous human beings and, 
you know, I've said this, you know, with kids and even in counseling saying, you know what, you're a free autonomous human being. You're free to make the decisions that you would like to make and want to make, but you're not free to determine the consequences of said decisions that you're free to make, mm-hmm. you know. And so God in love um, wants us to be reminded of what our identity is in him, because when we don't know that, we go you know, the old country song, looking for love in all the <laughs> wrong places, you know. I feel like we should have a bed of music under that. Can you try it one more time? <laughs> don't, I'll don't, don't encourage him. Don't, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't. I think it's time we take a short break. We'll come back with more of the Monday afternoon mix with David, Rosie, and Bill. Let us know if you have something you'd like to contribute to what we're talking about. If you have an identity issue, maybe you've got a question about your identity in Christ. Let me know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Monday afternoon mix, David, Rosie, Bill. We're talking about uh, identity in Christ. Yeah, and and Powerful you know, reminder. one of the things is that sometimes you know we're we're wanting identity. You know, Maslow talks about uh, the charts of um, you know needs, and one of those is belonging. And uh, we we've already covered how uh, the father said, "This is my son." Like literally, stop the press. This one right here is my son. And in the same way, in Christ, we're adopted, and God feels that way about us. But he doesn't finish there. He says, this is my son. The next thing he says is, whom I love. And this settled the question about security. I mean, guys, think about this for a moment. If God is omniscient, why would he need to hear this? Great question. It is a good question. I'm looking at you for the answer. <laughs> I mean, like, you, I'm you waiting. You'd almost think, like, it wouldn't, but he did. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was fully God, you know, and he was also fully man. And uh, we forget that he, he hungered and he thirsted and he cried out, My God, my God, why are you forsaken me? But here he says, Whom I love. I mean, was when you read the Gospels, like John chapter 1. Um, Andrew comes, he finds Nathaniel and, you know, uh, or Philip found Nathaniel and he says to him, hey, we found the one whom Moses in the law and also the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. So he comes and see, but the point is to like, can anything good, you know, come out of Nazareth? And so like, you know, Jesus mom and dad weren't married when he was, you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, We've talked about this before, how his own brothers didn't believe in him. And so there's a lot there uh, to to work work with. 
And so often people are longing for a desire to be loved. I remember one time meeting a man, this very successful guy. And, uh, you know, I remember we're, we, were, we were standing on, on my patio and having a conversation. He looked at me and said, you know, David, and I think I may have shared this before, but he said, I've never heard my father tell me that he loves me. You know, and just how, how, like, just the, the, the emptiness in that for him. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're looking at something, and you're like, say the words, mm-hmm. you know, and here the father says, this is my son whom I love. Now, we're so often in this world of, you know, uh, being judged upon our performance, you know, that, that we're, you know, we're really good if we do X. Um, speaking about the Super Bowl that's coming up, that's, that's one of the, been one of the painful things for Dan Marino. Mm. And they've even made jokes on commercials about it, you know, because even though he's in the Hall of Fame, a lot of people are like, well, Dan, you didn't win the Super Bowl. And so um, sometimes we, you know, we, are, we feel judged by our performance. And this is where the beauty of a verse like, uh, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So guys, what do you think are some things that as people are, are driving or, or we've even had in the past bill, right? And what do you think some people are thinking? Yeah, you guys are talking about this, but I've done fill in the blank and God couldn't love me. What are some common things that we hear? Well, I know um, from a personal experience, my mom, when she was so sick, and she's passed now, but she would often say, you can't forgive me because I've been an alcoholic. So feeling like she dropped her motherhood duties, which we didn't feel like that, but she felt like that. So not not fulfilling an obligation, a role obligation. Hmm. I'm going to depart from a personal item Mm-hmm. to a item that was just brought in on the text line. Okay. Because as we were talking about identity, a dear listener says, I have a grandson who's 15, and the most popular thing that they're talking about in his age group right now is that they are considering themselves asexual. Can you talk about this a little bit? Because as grandparents, it's hard to understand how they can think that way, and then also having been brought up in a Christian home, how we could fall into that. So there we go. We talk about identity. Mm-hmm. And these kids are self-ascribing themselves in a certain way, which is not the way God would describe wow. them. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't it, mean to stump the panel. <laughs> well, I just, as, as a mom, I think of, so, so kids going through, so he's 15. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in a K-12 school for a number of years, I think, you know, half a dozen or so. And it was very interesting on what became popular to identify with. So right now it's about gender and gender identification. That's mm-hmm. very current right now. Five years ago, it might have been um, an athlete or perhaps 10 years ago, if you weren't a football player, you didn't have athletic ability. You know, so I I think it's a very current topic and it, it needs to be addressed. But I also think we sometimes give so much emphasis to what's current and we get, and that involves our fear and um, worry as adults about, oh no, this is, you know, how is this going to impact my child or grandchild? And it's not that we don't have to be alert to it, but I think it comes back to our own understanding of 
their identity and reaffirming that these are things that the world is talking about, but how do you see yourself and, and how does God see you and what are our family values around this particular topic and do you need to identify just because it's current and popular, do you need to participate in that game? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if to take it kind of back to the, you know, way old school, you know, remember hearing my dad saying, you know, if your if your friends go jump off a bridge, are you going to follow them? Right. You know, so there is a powerful dynamic of how relationships and associations influence one another. Scripture says in First Corinthians uh, fifteen thirty three, you know, don't don't be deceived. You know, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, and so um, in the same way, good things can edify one another, and we're called to edify one another. I remember, like, uh, for Facebook, I want to say uh, they now had something listing, I think, like 46 or 56 um, types of gender that you could pick or something like that, if I have this right. And uh, one of the things is that the person who ended up taking over that particular part of the company had gone through reassignment, you know. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we, we want to transfer, you know, our unease or kind of our um, lack of understanding upon other people. So like right now you're saying there's a lot of people who are just there experimenting, you know, and they're just kind of like, this is the new thing. And, and you see people on television saying, you know, I'm trisexual or, you know, bi or, or, or a number of different things. And so that's become something in our society. So people, you know, are feeling that pressure mm -hmm. to do and to, to be. And, and some maybe aren't even really necessarily leaning that way or feeling that way or thinking that way or feeling those attractions. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that's just happening. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Tipping Point, uh, talked about uh, the power of, of how things would transform a culture, like talking about how penny loafers you know, how something that started on the Upper East Side in New York grew and blew up into this massive kind of catchy wave, you know, mm -hmm. um, Tickle Me Elmo. I mean, like, people actually died over Tickle Me Elmo. And I'm not trying to compare people's confusion uh, around gender with, like, Tickle Me Elmo. We're just saying that there is um, social influence, you know, and there's real things that people are struggling with. Um, a great book on this, uh, Rosio uh, Butterfield uh, wrote a book called um, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, mm -hmm. and uh, she shares her story of, of being a person um, who comes to faith in Christ and just how through hospitality and, and true love and Christian community, how her life is transformed. Mm. I remember seeing an, uh, a T-shirt for sale online, and the T-shirt said, there are more than two genders. That was what was on the T-shirt. Hmm. And if you went to order one, you had your little pull-down bar and you could pick male or female. <laughs> so, eh, maybe hmm. not so. There's just two, there's just two, uh, two genders. Yeah. All it, right. That's it. We just have a few minutes left, David. Let's jump back and try to cover one more aspect uh, okay. of this identity. And let's talk about uh, with whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. So when he says with whom I'm well pleased, this settles the question of value. And this is really important because if Jesus would have measured his value in anything other than the inherent value that he had in his father, uh, it would have been really bad for us. And uh, we're going to unpack this a little bit more at another time. Um, 
you know, there's so many things that pull because one of the things is that Jesus could have just skipped going to the cross, mm-hmm. you know, if his identity would not have been secure, if he wouldn't understood the love that the father had for him and that he was already valued in him. There's a whole lot of different ways uh, that we can, we can go. And Henry Nouwen talks about this in his book, the, the Life of the Beloved. He said, over the years, I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way that they're a part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. You know, we've been made in God's image. He loves us. He sent his only son to shed his eternal blood that you and I could have eternal life, but not only have eternal life, but be adopted and be sons and daughters of the, as you said earlier, Rosie, the most high king. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me as you say that because I think of what Satan does and he steals that identity from the moment you can think a thought. He fills your mind with lies mm. about who you are. Yeah, I love the truth of what we shared today. Thank you so much for the Monday afternoon mix, David, Rosie, Bill. That's been all the time we have for today. But coming up, hour two is just ahead with Professor Ken Samples. We're going to talk about Romans chapter chapter twelve. It's all coming up in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.